You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, so good to come together. Again, just a welcome to those uh, joining us online. And uh, we're uh, so thankful that you are joining us. If you haven't already, just indicate that you are watching, maybe by uh, leaving a note on Facebook or live stream. Uh, I've seen some of you guys did that last week. We thank you for that. And if you're new and uh, you have questions, uh, please just uh, email us at admin at uh, redemptioncalgarynorth.ca. Well, it is, uh, it is good to come together and, uh, and to just uh, revel in the gospel. We had that opportunity this last weekend as we uh, considered how it is that you and I could be made right with God. There's this amazing statement after, from chapter 118 through 320, Paul's made it really clear that we have a big problem, we have a sin problem. But then in verse 21, he says that we could be made right with God, that we could be justified. And and we learned last week that to be justified is not only not to be condemned, but to look at you as if there was no reason for condemnation. In other words, the evidence against you is completely gone, covered by the blood of Christ through his redemption, through his blood that was shed, uh, saving us from the power of sin. And through his propitiation, as Christ took my wrath, took your wrath upon himself, all sin gets God's wrath. It's either through Christ or through you and I, if we, if we, if we do not repent. It's this amazing gospel. Hopefully, I was encouraging to you as you considered those things last weekend, and, and you've been thinking about those things and applying those things to your heart. And Paul, now, as he gets to verses 27 to 31, he's once again anticipating the questions that will come as a result of what he has just said. Of course, this was not Paul's first rodeo, right? He had given the gospel many times and answered, answered these uh, questions that we're going to be looking at this morning over and over again. And so, um, just a word of encouragement, if you're new at sharing the gospel it will be more difficult at the beginning than it will be as months and years go on because you'll be get to used to the same answers that you will give from the questions that you'll receive over and over again. So I can just encourage you, if you find it difficult now, just keep doing it. And the Lord will equip you as you do it now, and in time you'll have more and more answers to give. Uh, but what is it now that we are free to do as a result of the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we just do whatever we want? Hey, he's freed us. We can just do whatever. Because, you know, it says that we're justified through Christ and Christ alone, then I guess we can just do whatever we want. Is that true? Well, we're going to find as we go through the text that we know we do not have freedom to do whatever we want. None of us are truly free to be Christ's disciples until we break with everything that hinders our commitment to the Lord. Misplaced affections must be abandoned for they bind us to that which is passing away. This is why repentance is necessary in conjunction with salvation. If there is no repentance, there is no salvation. We must repent of the sin and then turn in faith to Jesus Christ. There's really a lifetime of this, of putting our hope and trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ day by day by day. 
History provides an incident illustrating this important principle. Julius Caesar, they're coming to attack the British. The great Roman Empire now is spreading as far as, as the British Isles. And as they come there, they dock their ships and they get up on the cliffs at Dover. And as they look down, Julius Caesar is every ship on fire. What is he doing? There was no returning back the way that they came. It's a great principle for you and I. Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that his soldiers were unable to return to the continent, there was nothing left for them but to advance and conquer. And this is exactly what they did. See, when we follow Christ, there is a cost. And Jesus says this in Luke 14.33, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's a cost to putting your faith in Jesus. This morning we're going to see three things that we lose as a result of faith in Christ. Three things that we lose, but then three things that we gain. I pray that as we look at these things that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be strengthened, and that we will continue to march in victory through Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us as we, before we get into the text. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we have this opportunity to learn from your word. Lord, we recognize that the scriptures that we study today are our authority. Lord, there is no greater authority than your word. God, we pray today as we study that, Lord, if there are sin in our lives, Lord, that you would reveal that to us. Lord, if there are ways that we're falling short, that, God, you would show us that as well, and that, Lord, you would be gracious and grant us repentance and renew our hearts and renew our trust in you. Lord, we want to represent you well on this earth. Lord, you have given us life, life that we would have never known apart through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us, Lord, to bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, we are so thankful today that as we near this coming week, Lord, that we remember Jesus Christ. Lord, there is only one hope for this world, and that is Him. Lord, we proclaim Your name. Lord, as we study this text today, Lord, help us as we study. Lord, help us to understand more of who You are as a result of our time together this morning. It's Your name we pray. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. Turn to Romans 3, 27 to 31. Romans 3, 27 to 31. And as we look at the text, as I mentioned, we're going to see some things that we need to lose as a result of our putting our faith in Christ. Paul begins by saying this in verse 27, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by, a law, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. 
So three things this morning that we will lose as a result of faith in Christ. We will lose the freedom, first of all, to boast. You lose the freedom to boast. If you have put your, place, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've now lost your freedom to boast. We see this in verse 27 to 28. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Anyone here ever boast? Is that ever... Okay, if you are human, you probably have crossed that line at some point, right? You, you want to... And sometimes it's maybe not really boasting. You're just sharing good news, right? Hey, I passed my exam. I graduated. I got a raise. You want to share that joy with other people, and, and that's a good thing. But sometimes we are boasting. To boast is to say, look at me, I'm better than you, right? Now, we didn't, nobody says that, and sometimes we're kind of blind to our boasting. I think that social media has given us a whole new platform for boasting in our day, right? All kinds of like, look at me, look at me. But in Christ, there is no longer look at me. We brag about Things, like I said, about our education, or we brag about our vocation. We even brag about our recreation. But people also brag about spiritual things. I go to church every Sunday. I faithfully tithe. I, I'm a, I, I serve at the soup kitchen. I, like, there's all kinds of things that people will brag about. Jesus illustrated it this way. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, notes, trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. In other words, look at me, look at how righteous I am. Jesus gives this illustration. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, idolaters, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Who was the one who was justified? It was the one who recognized that there was nothing they could do to earn their own salvation. It was the one who recognized that they were not basically a good person, but a sinner in need of a Savior. Paul has been making it clear throughout the book of Romans that we are not saved through our good works. And it's through grace alone, through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So there is no longer any reason for boasting. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There is no boasting as a believer. Paul continues to enforce why. By what kind of law? How is it that you are justified? How is it that you are made right with God? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. 
It's not by my works. Again, he's emphasizing this, and he needs to emphasize this to especially the Jews. Remember, as we were going through Romans 2, they were, they were bragging about the fact that they are God's people. We are the chosen ones. We came from the line of Abraham. I don't know if that happens today, people bragging as a result of the family they're from. Probably, right? But that's what's going on here. Hey, we're Abraham's kids, so we're better than everyone else. They also believed they were better than everyone else because they had the book. They had the law. They knew the rules. They, these are the foods you eat, and all of that, rest of that is unclean. Here's the sacrifices that are needed. Those, those are the things that make us right with God, and here's the rules that we're to follow. Here's the Sabbath, but as we learned last week, they fell short over and over and over again. The law of works could not bring them into favor with God. The law of works could not find them forgiveness. Still, so many people believe, and if we're being honest, we can fall into this, believe that somehow through my good works, I'm made right with God. Even today, you might fall into that error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus saved me. But now we're kind of in cooperation. I appease God through my good works. He doesn't like me when I'm not doing what he wants me to do. And he does like me when I'm doing the things I ought to do. As elders, we've been going through the book, Gentle and Lowly, which reminds us over and over again that we do not earn favor with God. He has given us his favor through his grace. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. To be made right with God by faith and faith alone apart from works of the law. In other words, this, our works contribute nothing to our justification. God's declaration of you being found not guilty has nothing to do with you and everything to do with what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. You see this wording, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It's by placing our faith in him that God makes the legal declaration that you are justified. We've done nothing to add, it, add to it. Boaz says this, it is absolutely contradictory for a person to have faith and then boast about observing the law as an instrument of salvation. It would be the same as receiving a valuable birthday present and then insulting the giver by insisting on paying for it by yourself. Once the item was paid for by you, it ceases to be a gift. Only when it is totally paid for by another and received by you, by yes alone, by faith alone, is it a gift? Only at that point is boasting excluded. We must be clear on this point. There was an entire reformation happened as a result of confusion on this point. Anyone who believes that it is Christ plus anything that is by the means that you are justified, it's a heretical, it's a heretical teaching. We are only saved 
through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church does not teach that. It's Christ plus. They, they, they believe that justification is a lifelong process. That is called sanctification. Sanctification is the result of our justification. It is the, 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 the fruit of the fact that we are now justified in Him. It's all a work of Christ. Moose says this, no, no works, whatever their nature or their motivation, can play any part in making a sinner right with God. So when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you lose your reason to boast. You are what you are through Christ alone. And so we should forever humbly give praise to him for all that he has done in giving us the amazing grace that has made us right with God. So we lose the freedom to boast and we gain the freedom to praise, to worship. All to his glory. Paul says this, if we're going to boast in anything, boast in the Lord. Right? Like, and what... What is that? It's praise. It's worship. It's all about him. It's all that he has done. Even our sanctification is a work of him. It's not like you get on the team and now you and I just really work hard and we, we were really disciplined. No, it's through the Holy Spirit's power in your life, changing you, making you more like him, giving you knowledge through his word, opening your eyes to his truth. It's all for his glory. That's why we the Reformation said that it is through faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So that could be something we easily forget in the church. But let us take encouragement this morning. Your justification is in the hands of Christ alone this morning. You are justified right now if you have placed your faith in him. And on that day, when you stand before him, he will declare before all who can see, which will be every single living being, you are justified before him through Jesus Christ. So we are, and that declaration will be made for, for all to see someday. So let us praise let us walk in humility before him. This should be the posture of every believer. Not puffed out chest saying, look at us, look how good of people we are now. No, we are what we are through Christ and Christ alone. This morning there may be some who have been confused all their life. You think it's Jesus' work plus something. I want you to hear this morning what the Scriptures clearly teach, that it is only through Jesus Christ that salvation comes. It is apart from any work that you can do. You add nothing. In fact, Isaiah says your works are as filthy rags before him. And so if you've never placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, I would exhort you, I would encourage you, if you're watching online this morning, know today that salvation is found in Christ alone. So you lose your freedom to boast if you placed your faith in Christ. Second, you lose your freedom, your freedom to discriminate. You lose your freedom to discriminate. 
It says in verse 29, or is the God, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. I love how Paul, he's, he's had this argument a few times, right? So he's saying, listen, let's just start with this. Let's just keep it really simple. Let's go back to Sunday School 101 if you're a Jew. Who is the creator of all mankind? It is God. It is Yahweh. There is one God. He's, 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 he's said this in verse 30. Since God is one, he's repeated the most famous verse in, in every, every Jewish person would know this. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord God is one. There is only one God. So if he, there is only one God, is he not both the God of the Jews as well as the Gentiles? Well, of course he is. The Old Testament repeated this over and over again. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Deuteronomy 4, 39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. It is only through Christ that we might be saved, both for the Jew and for the Gentile. Why? Because there is only one God. We can, we can play make-believe all that we want. We can say, well, actually, I believe that there's ten gods. You can believe that. It doesn't make it true. The Bible tells us that there is only one God. And he is over us all, whether you are Jewish or whether you're a Gentile. Now, MacArthur has a good insight as to the problem with the Jewish people. Instead of considering themselves as belonging to God, they virtually considered God as belonging only to them. That was their mindset. And if we're not careful, it can be our mindset as well. God belongs to us, not to those pagans out there. Do you know what some of those people believe? We're with God He's not with them. We see this exemplified through people like Jonah. Jonah's told to go to those rotten Gentiles in Nineveh. He's like, wow, what an opportunity for ministry. I can't wait to go tell the gospel. I can't wait to give the hope that it is found in God, the message of repentance. I can't wait to go to Nineveh to see if God might save them. Is that what his... Heart was? Not at all, right? Not at all. In fact, he hops in a ship and tries to go the exact opposite direction. And God, in his grace, to Jonah, gives him an opportunity to make a second decision on that, right? So he goes, but he still goes begrudgingly. And when he announces that if they do not repent, that, that God's wrath is coming upon them, guess what happens? You probably already know if you've been at church for very long. Guess what? They repent. And Jonah is blown away by the grace of God towards them. Is that true? No, he's angry. He's angry. Jonah 4, 2 and 3. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die 
than to live. I cannot believe that you were merciful to those Gentiles. Man, can't believe. Man like Jonah, can't relate to him whatsoever, right? Or maybe, let's look at another example of how people discriminate. There is the way that Jonah did, but maybe in our society, we're evolving. Our, our society is so much better. We are a tolerant people. Anybody ever use that, use the word used in our society today? We're all tolerant. There's, we live in the age of tolerance. I don't know if you've had the opportunity yet to, to pick up the book Unparalleled. We, we gave to those who are serving faithfully in our church. If you, if you have that book, I want to encourage you to read it, but this, uh, as we've been going through it as a staff, he was talking about living in Vermont. Vermont sounds a whole lot like Canada, okay? They really pride themselves on being a tolerant people, of being a nice people. If you move there, you'll, you'll notice that, like, oh yeah, we're very tolerant here. We're, 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 we're like a, we, we pride ourselves in our tolerance. And Wilson talked about going on to one of the city's criminal spotlight pages in Vermont. What he found was interesting about what these peaceful people were posting in the comments section. Right? We're all, we're all tolerant. We're all, we, we love all people. Here's some of the things he said were, were written. We should shoot this piece of garbage. Kill all these addicts. It's the only way to save the state. Others call these criminals monsters or animals or other things that we can't repeat on a Sunday morning. Tolerant people, until you cross the line, my line, and then you're a piece of garbage, then you're a monster. Seems like a double standard. If you fit in the box, then we're all very tolerant. But if you don't, then we give you the opposite of tolerance. So that's our society. That was Jonah. But that can't be said of anyone here this morning, right? Well, it shouldn't be said of anyone here this morning. But let's be real. You and I still are very tempted to discriminate. It can begin with our view of People not like us, people who are not Christians. We can look at the world and we can be quick to toss our labels out, calling them things like animals or monsters or I can't believe those people, they whatever. They don't think like we think. Do you know what their views are on politics? Do you know what their views are on the earth? Do you know what their views are on and what? When we look at them, we view them with anger. And if you are not careful, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be the same as Jonah, and you're not going to give them the message of the gospel because you don't think they're worthy of it. There's these little group of people that I'm really, you know, they're, they're kind of like me, and they're almost there. I'm going to give those people the gospel, but not those people. Those people think I should be thrown in jail for believing what I believe. I'm not going to tell them about the gospel. So easy for you and I to discriminate. 
thankfully, I haven't seen a lot of discrimination based on skin color in Canada and in the world that I've been in. I know it happens. I haven't seen it a lot, but I have seen discrimination based on a lot of other things in the church. Didn't quite dress right, so we're not sure you should really be here. You don't smell very good. I'm not sure you should be here. You voted NDP. I'm not sure you should be here. You voted whatever, right? You think that we should do, I don't think, right? Like we, we do it all the time. Now, if we understand, as we were taught last weekend, that we are all created in the image of God, that we share that image as ones who have been created by him, there should be no discrimination amongst us. And in fact, we should do, as Jesus said, that we should love our enemies and pray for them. We should be quick to give them the gospel. Going back to verse 30, sorry, going back to verse 30, it says this. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. We're all saved the same way through Jesus Christ's grace. It doesn't matter whether somebody has the same views of you as you in this world. We all need the gospel. Dunn says this, Paul is suggesting that the universalism of God's lordship fits better with righteousness by faith than entrance into a covenant that was distinctly Jewish. In other words, God has made a way through Christ that isn't, and this was hard for the Jews, they thought, well, you've got to become Jewish even to become a Christian. But Paul is making it clear, no, it is through Christ and through Christ alone. So there is no distinction in the kingdom of God. Every man, every woman of all races, no matter what your age, no matter your economic status, we all have access to Jesus Christ, to the kingdom through Jesus Christ. Stott says this, the message is simple. All who believe in Jesus belong to the same family and should be eating at the same table. This is what Paul's doctrine of justification is all about. This year, 2020, we've seen a lot of talk about racism and discrimination. I want us to be reminded this morning that we alone hold the answer to their questions. Even if you're watching, if you're understanding the, the, the movements that are happening, there's still discrimination happening based on what they're saying about not having discrimination. It is only through Jesus Christ, it is only through our understanding that we are created in the image of God that we can remove racism. And so we have the answer for that as well. May we be encouraged and may we be strengthened by that today. You don't have to back away in those talks. You can say, hey, we've believed this all along because all are one through Jesus Christ. And I love you because you're created in the image of God. And I'm praying one day you'll become a part of the family. That's the answer. But listen, there will be hatred in our world. There will be wars in our world until Christ returns. But through the gospel, we can see that change one person at a time.
In Christ, you lose your freedom to discriminate, and we gain the freedom to love as he first loved us. So instead of discrimination, we have love. For those who are outside of of the family of God still, and for those within the family of God. Three things that you lose as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. You lose the freedom to boast. You lose the freedom to discriminate. And lastly, you lose the freedom to sin. You lose the freedom to sin. Verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now Paul's going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this topic in the book of Romans. The automatic assumption is that if we are saved through Jesus Christ alone, through his blood, then we can do whatever we want. If he's got us covered, then we can live however and, 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 and by the means of whatever, by, sorry, we can live in, in, in whatever way that we decide. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? The word overthrow is, does it cause to cease to exist? Does it cause it to come to an end? Does it cause it to come to nothing, to put an end to? In other words, as a result of what Christ has done, do we just kind of rip out Genesis through Malachi in our Bibles? Does it cause it to cease to exist? Are the Ten Commandments no longer a thing that we need to worry about? Is that true? That's the question they have. Paul, is that really what you're saying? That was the stumbling block to so many Jews. That's what they thought Paul was saying. How does he respond? By no means. There is no unhitching from the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament pointed to the gospel, and he's, as he says here, on the contrary, we uphold the law. We uphold the law. Jesus came not to neglect the law, but to fulfill it. Last week we saw that Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. The whole sacrificial system that's talked about in the Old Testament, Christ fulfills that perfectly in his sacrifice. Hebrews 7, 26 to 27. I encourage you guys just to write these verses down. Hebrews 7, 26 to 27. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Once for all. Hebrews 9, 12. He he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Once and for all, Christ fulfilled that whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Through his blood alone, in that sacrifice, he fulfilled all that was needed. He didn't neglect the law. He fulfilled the law. Secondly, the law points us to the fact that we need a Savior. That's why the law was given. It's a tutor for us to show us that you cannot do this on your own. 
You need a Savior. See, when we break the law, just one law, we break all the laws. And Jesus came, when Jesus came, he made clear it wasn't just about the outward actions only, right? Matthew 5, he says that not only by killing, but by hating do we sin. Not only by committing adultery, but by having lustful thoughts do we sin, do we break the Mosaic law. How much more is, impo- is it impossible to keep the standards set forth by Christ in his earthly ministry? But without the law, we might be able to claim that we are good people. Be like, well, what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me, and we're kind of like, you know, we're all, we got this mushy kind of morality. The law points us to the fact that we are sinners. James 2, 10 and 11 Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. And so the law reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Luther put it this way, through the law, God opens man's eyes so that he sees his helplessness and by faith takes refuge to his mercy and so is healed. The law was given in order that we might seek after grace. Grace was given in order that we might fulfill the law. I love the way he put that right there, right? The law was given in order that we might seek after grace. Grace was given in order that we might fulfill the law. It was not the It's not the fault of the law that it was not fulfilled, but the fault of man's carnal mind. This guilt, the law, must make manifest in order that we might be healed by divine grace. And so this brings us to the third point that he's making here. Jesus came that we might fulfill the law. Christ lived the perfect life. He gave the perfect sacrifice so that you and I now might walk according to his ways. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us a new heart and mind that we might walk in his ways. In a passage that we're going to study in in a couple of months, uh, Romans 6, 20 to 23. Maybe just flip over there right now. Romans 6, 20 to 23 says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, when you were a slave of sin, you, you had no idea how to be right with God. You, you couldn't be right with God. You were, you were enslaved in the, the chains of sin. You were hopeless and helpless apart from God. Verse 21, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Really key for someone who would say, I guess I can just keep sinning. I guess it's all okay. Really? It's really okay? Just keep on sinning and and not worry about it? What about these things? Sin leads to what? It leads to shame. It leads to, to regret in your life. And the end of those things is what? It's death. It's destruction. How could we apathetically in, endorse sin in our life and encourage sin in our life? 
But now, verse 22, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Now that we have been set free from sin, that, that slavery to sin, now we are free to walk in God's ways. And as you walk in God's ways, it leads to life, eternal life. You have the joy of serving your Creator. You have the joy of doing what you were created to do. Verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift through Jesus Christ our Lord. People who believe that we are free to sin as a result of God's grace have forgotten about the price of redemption and they have forgotten about the destruction of sin. Did anyone have one of those God appointments last week? Kind of like you had your plan for the week, and then God kind of just said, no, you a little different plan. I, I always got a call from my neighbor who's moved away. I've actually told you guys about this guy right now. He's living in Nova Scotia, but God just keeps our conversation going. The the the. Some other neighbor had heard the water tank noise uh, from outside the house. Like, hey, something might be wrong with your water tank. So he said, would you go over and check it out? So I go over like, yeah, the noise is coming from the water tank. And if you know me, that was about as much as I could tell you, right? Right? So so he says, okay, I'm going to get a plumber to come tomorrow. Would you just supervise and hang out while he's fixing it? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I took my stuff with me. I was going to you know, study, because I, I, was, I, was, I, I was preaching at uh, Airdrie Christian School this last week, and so I, I thought, that's what I'll do while, while I'm waiting for the plumber. But what happened was, is that we got into a conversation quickly, kind of, you know, the formalities, where did you grow up, where are you from, what do you do? For me, that's a pretty easy in, right? And, and I'm like, oh, I'm a preacher, He's like, he was like, oh, you know, he, responded, he didn't respond weirdly, he responded positively. Usually is quite a quick indication to, as to where the person is at, right? And, and, and he was like, I, and so I, I asked him right away, I said, so do you go to church? He said, yeah, I do. And I want to tell you that within a few minutes, we were having this conversation. He, he, he was wrestling with this. If we're, it seems like, I love how he put it. It seems like we say it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, but then there's all these expectations about how we're supposed to live. So how is that really grace? What would you answer? What would you say? You know, the guy's been in Christ long enough to know that nobody is perfect here. The ones of you I know well, I know that's true, all right? And those I don't know well, guess what? I know it's true. Because between now and glory, we're not going to get there. 1 John 1, 9, if we say we have no sin, we are liars and the truth is not in us. And so we still sin. So if we still sin, how is it that we have been made right with God? Well, it is through Christ alone. But listen, this is how I put it to him. Where, how do I know if I'm truly saved if I have sin in my life, if I still sin? How is it that I, I know that I've truly been justified? 
Well, part of it is this. Two people, two believers can do exactly the same thing, right? So those two believers, they commit the exact same sin. But then there are two different reactions. The one, when God brings conviction into their life through the power of the Holy Spirit, they repent. They're broken over their sin and they, they're, they're quick to, to acknowledge that they have sinned against a holy God and they ask for forgiveness. And at the same time, they ask for it to be different the next time. God, give me a heart next time to do what I ought to do. That's one reaction. The second reaction is this. I recognize that I've sinned. But my reaction is, but you got this, God. I know that I'm justified through you. I can keep doing what I want to do for the rest of my life, and I know that one day you're forgiven me. Which of those two are you concerned about where they're at? Obviously the second. If you can walk in known sin and be okay with it, you have to ask yourself, do you understand the cost of redemption? Do you understand the destruction of sin? What makes you belittle the grace of God in your life so much so? Is there hardness of heart in your life? And then I just said, him, said this to him, really comes down to this. Do you love Jesus more than anything? That's really what it comes down to. It goes back to how we started this sermon this morning. It really comes down to your heart affection. If you're, are you ready to, to get, turn away from all that is hindering you from following him? then you no longer have freedom to sin. Sadly, will we sin? Yes. But are you broken over it? And are you seeing an increasing victory as God is sanctifying you until the day when he will glorify you in his presence? We no longer have freedom to sin. Sometimes losing can be a good thing. When you come to faith in Christ, you lose the freedom to boast, you lose the freedom to discriminate, and you lose the freedom to sin. But what do you gain as a result? You lose the freedom, or you, you gain the freedom to praise, to love, to love Christ, and to love both your enemies and, and the your fellow brothers and sisters. And then you have the freedom to walk in his ways. Pretty great exchange, is it not? I take that exchange every time. My question is this morning, will you? It is through faith in Christ alone. If you've never, or if you've been walking in, if you've never come to faith in Christ, I'm encouraging you, I'm pleading with you this morning, put your faith in him alone. And if you're Walking today in pride or in hate or in sin, in knowing sin, and you're okay with it, I want to plead with you today, repent. Be made right with God once again and walk in love and in praise and in His ways. Let me pray. Lord God, we do thank You 
for your forgiveness. Lord, we know that it came at a great price. Lord, we know that it is only through Christ that we are saved. Lord, you were the perfect sacrifice. Lord, you never sinned. And on the cross, you took my sin. You took the sin of all those who would place their faith in you and you placed it on yourself and then the wrath of God was poured out on you. And now I'm set free, God. I'm set free from the power of sin, from the slavery of sin in my life. Lord, that is my reality as a result of what Christ has done. Lord, that is the reality of all your children here today. God, help us to remember that. May we not be apathetic in regards to sin in our lives. Lord, help us to love, Lord, as you love. Help us not to discriminate. Lord, help us to set aside the pride in our life, remembering there is no reason for boasting. Our boast is in Christ alone. To you be the glory. God, as we walk this earth, Lord, help us to follow Christ. Help us to look more and more like Jesus through your amazing gift of grace. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you have done and for what you will continue to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.